Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I'm your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. As listeners to the podcast know, our goal is to pre present you with different guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically. In some cases, they may have had a challenge to get there, but now are in a great position from different angles to help us to become the best versions of ourselves. So uh, I do want to make you aware of the fact also that my website is the Mental Health Gym. It's your place to communicate with me. It's your source of information regarding all kinds of things uh, related to wellness, rejuvenating, positive psychology, and my own particular spin on it uh, that I call goal-achieving psychology. But it's also a place where you can suggest guests for future podcasts. Now, we have a particularly interesting and informative guest today. I am so happy to introduce you to Colleen Ryan Hensley. Colleen is a 10-year Navy veteran. She holds an advanced degree in performance psychology and spent five years with a team of cutting-edge researchers and clinicians at the University of Texas at Dallas Center for Brain Health, teaching high-performance cognitive training to military veterans and their spouses and caregivers, active-duty military, and first responders around the country. As an advocate for veteran wellness, she received a fellowship with The Mission Continues. Uh, she has lobbied for veterans' rights on Capitol Hill alongside her team from Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Colleen struggled with depression, alcohol abuse, and intermittent suicidal thoughts for over 20 years before she tamed her brain, which we'll want to learn about because a lot of our brains can use taming, <laughs> and turned uh, her fight into her greatest asset. She champions for proactive mental health and optimal wellness from a place of knowing the ways in which living with depression can be an extraordinary, extraordinarily rich experience if you know how. Colleen has developed Binging Sober to help cope with their own depression, alcohol abuse, and PTSD from sexual assault. And the program is now about to launch in a more intense form. As I understand, it's not about complete abstinence. It's about embracing longer periods of sobriety from things we use as an escape. So there's so much to unpack here, so I want to get right to it. First thing, Colleen, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Dr. Ron, for having me. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So why don't we get started? And uh, I guess, first of all, you work in, in an area that uh, probably scares off a lot of people when you talk about depression, substance abuse. Uh, I don't wonder why does somebody want to do that? Um, 
<laughs> so I guess first thing I should find out is is how big of a problem is this area in which you work? Well, you know, there's over 300 million of us that are suffering from depression around the world. And so I think that you nailed it when you said, why would somebody want, you know, to work in this field? And I, and for me, it's really about changing the language around all of it. And as you know, you mentioned, I really have found that those struggles are additive to my life and it may be you know my coping with it and my ability to embrace it but i want to share that perspective with others well that's really important work obviously and uh, if i understand to be labeled as being depressed or having substance abuse doesn't totally mean that you're not functioning in society am i, am yeah. I correct Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You can be highly functioning or look okay on the outside. You know, we call it the invisible wounds or the invisible struggles. And although uh, I know that you do some work with non-veterans also, but yes. is it a, a either a particular problem in the veterans community or is it that that's where your background or how, how did it wind up that so much of your work seems to be uh, designed to help veterans and and active military and first responders too. It's it's a little bit of both. You know the mental the mental toughness of the military or the stoicism of the culture. A lot of times, it's this toughness that really gets in the way or creates walls against healing or even feeling to begin with. You know, it's very as a as a part of the military, we have to be mission first. We have to think about the mission and how to get through it successfully as a team. So a lot of times we put our individual wellness to the side in order to make that happen. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's really interesting. And uh, I guess associated with that, uh, does that mean that it can come about as a new problem uh, for people who are serving in the military or mm. do the, the kind of people you work with, do they usually bring in some history of this that then gets exacerbated because of the, the focus on the mission? Mm. It's it's not really, it's very, very individual. So there's a little bit of both um, or a lot of both really, but you know the wars that we're dealing with right now tend to be multiple deployments because there aren't so many people that serve anymore. So a lot of repeat exposure to these traumas. Um, there's a lot of traumatic brain injury, which then you know compromises brain function um, and the ability to even you know recognize when there's something that we ought to pay attention to. So that sort of thing. And uh, while I don't particularly want or need for you to to uh reveal more than you want to but i, I guess i it, it probably is appropriate to learn something about your own journey to get to this point because i guess that underlies a lot of your work absolutely um and i'll i'll share just the important parts of it uh for listeners to avoid any kind of triggers uh but i uh, experienced a military sexual assault, as you said, back 20 years ago now. So I was at a training command when this happened. I really, I had lost 
I drank way too much. I lost awareness and control, which are really the foundations of hashtag binging sober, this process that I'm sharing now. Um, at the time, I blamed myself entirely for having done that, for having had too much to drink and compromising my myself. And I didn't report it. And I buried it. I buried it so deeply. I didn't even think about it for 15 years. But that was obviously my things were working under my awareness. That toxicity, holding that trauma in was really impacting my life in a lot of ways. I started to use avoidance tactics. So a lot of drinking alcohol, um, a lot of just uh, overindulging elsewhere. Uh, my social life was just a crazy party, you know, girl. And um, I was self-destructive in relationships. I wasn't able to get close to people. I was kind of a mean person. Like, I don't like that person back then and I can see it now. Uh, but during that time, so that's how I was really behaving when I was in port because I was on ships for an extended, for almost seven years, I was on ships. And when I was in port that's or home, that's how I would behave. At sea, however, for days, weeks, months, I didn't have access to those things that I was using to escape and avoid these feelings. So although I wasn't, you know, I was still had repressed that trauma, I noticed that I felt a lot better when I was at sea, when I wasn't using these things that, you know, I was trying to avoid my feelings with, I was trying to feel better, but they were making me feel worse. What we consider the downward spiral, I hear, you know, that a lot when we talk about these things. Um, so I unknowingly carried that practice that I'm calling hashtag binging sober outside of the military. I've been out for 12 years now. And when I got out, I would I I was pursuing my advanced degree in, in performance psychology. And I was, you know, going through my own journey. I was seeing uh counselors under the guise of life coaching, you know, because I'm a I'm a I'm a sailor. I don't need to see, you know, I don't need to have therapy. This mindset we've talked about already, this mental toughness or that the idea of the the 90s gritty mental toughness. I started to notice that I was craving life at sea. Like I was craving this abstinence or these sober binges. So I've called it binging sober because instead of doing things like binge drinking, binge eating, binge watching TV, like all of these things that I was using to escape, I started binging on sobriety. And in this case, I'm talking about lack of intoxication, not necessarily just from alcohol, but from all of these things that we tend to habitually use to avoid uncomfortable feelings. Was that difficult? I mean, you know, I, I for people who may be listening who don't perceive it themselves as addicts in, in any yeah. way, uh, their exposure, our exposure may be that somebody is uh, has some personality issue that causes them to do this yeah. stuff. And can you just stop? I mean, what uh, was how difficult was it? Well, it's a, it's a process. It's a practice. Um, and it's really the foundations are awareness, control, and balance of these things that we're using. So yes, it can be really difficult, especially that first day when you're trying to abstain from something. But the longer I've noticed, so over the past 10 years that I've been practicing this, and then really the past three, I've been formally developing this program, that once you get past day three, 
or, you know, it starts to get a little bit easier and you really start to feel this natural zest and energy for life that becomes addictive in of itself. And so when I say a practice, it's something that is never really perfected and even little bits of it can really help us to change our perspective on things that we're consuming, uh, thought patterns, beliefs that we have, all of these things that I really, really had in the way of my healing. Well, and I mean, that's that's great news when you said you started to feel different by day three, because uh, I know historically, like, uh, detox is seven days and yep. rehab is 28 days. It's, it's definitely like... I, the more and more I've done it is day three that I start to feel the difference, but it is, you know, day 10 tends to feel like a turning point all the time. It's like, once I can, I know that if I can get past 10, that it becomes like a little bit easier and things like that. Obviously there's, um, there's different chemicals that may be involved that would need other support and that kind of stuff. So this is really uh, a program that is going to be very easily accessible for people at a time where I really feel like it's urgent and necessary to have different types of programs that could lead someone on the path to more professional help and healing. Well, in your case, I mean, there was a real difference between your life on a ship and when you were in port Mm -hmm. for most people they don't have that that kind of an extreme thing i suspect there are people who aren't in the military who lead fairly conventional lives who have this as an issue but how does somebody recognize this within themselves I, i can understand if somebody is you know clearly an alcoholic if somebody is uh, so depressed, they're not getting out of bed if somebody yes. is addicted and loses jobs. But uh, that in between that gray area, you know, and it's it's gotten so much worse through the pandemic, our access to these things that we tend to use to feel better, but they make us feel worse. So really, you know, if it's hard to tell, I when I talk about binging sober as the first points system for vitality, our energy for life, there's definitely this this undertone of exhaustion or being tired or just constantly looking for something to escape from what you would consider your real life or what a real reality would be. So I would look for that red flag of I'm so tired or I'm just like this this hamster wheel doing the same thing every day or getting stuck in in ruminated, you know, worry and stress and anxiety. So all, all of those things, but really just it's really a, a journey of personal growth too and of wanting to just be better in any way possible. Very, very interesting. So how does this differ from other kinds of uh, programs that you know are aimed at, I guess, the same population? Well, so one of the, or a couple of the big ideas here are really redefining what we consider mental toughness. And I want to do this for the next generation so it's easier for them to, and I've seen it, I've seen it happening with my my children that it's easier for them to talk about their feelings. And if it's easier to talk about your feelings, it's really easier to own your feelings and your emotions and therefore communicate them and do something about it. 
But when I came up in the 80s and 90s, this idea of mental toughness is exactly what it sounds like. It's this gritty, rub some dirt on it and get back in the game, like that kind of compartmentalization of you know, these, these challenges, I have to be awesome all the time and I have to feel great all the time and I have to push through. And I really want to redefine mental toughness as having the skills, yes, to thrive during challenges, but including mental health challenges that needs to be a part of this and to create this responsibility and this ownership for our own experience and our emotions. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds great. But what, uh, what does it look like if somebody, uh, and I know you're in the process of, of really launching it more, uh, but what, what does somebody do if they, uh, if they join your program? So for the first few weeks, it's really going to be about building that awareness, which is really fun. I don't, you know, for listeners out there, if, if you're questioning that, just having an awareness of something that is under your control that you haven't noticed yet can really change your experience and your perception of life immediately. So a lot of it is about building awareness of how specific habits and escape tools that you're using impact you as an individual. Because how something impacts me say, you know, binge watching TV all day and being unproductive could impact me differently than it could impact somebody else. So it's really individually tailoring this understanding and this awareness of those things that you are using to escape, no matter how trivial they may seem. And then you would assign points. So it's a, it's a process that'll unleash in January, but you assign points depending on how they impact you you know, throughout the day, the next day, throughout the week, it's a a process, again, a practice. So you really gain to under, you really get to understand how different types of things impact your energy. So in the end, you'll have a blueprint or a plan that if you choose to do those things, you will also be armed with this plan that gives you an idea of other things that you can do to reverse the impact and to balance your energy. So for example, if I were to binge watch horror TV all day because I love horror TV, well, that gives me nightmares. So that's going to impact my sleep. So I take boy points for that, a certain amount of points. But I know that if I read something positive before bed, if I practice meditation before bed, I can really reverse the impact and wake up feeling much better and well-rested than I would have if I hadn't done that. And uh, the mechanics of it, is it online? Does somebody physically come to you? Is it a time-limited thing? Is it a weekly, monthly? Can uh, What's the plan? <laughs> So starting in December, I'm going to be building a couple of focus groups. If listeners are interested, they can find me at ColleenRyanHensley.com or at ColleenRyanHensley on Instagram to join one of those focus groups. And then in January, we're going to have three months at no cost of joining the community and being introduced to the practice of hashtag binging sober. And the community, I mean, is it done by email or there uh... it's a, it's going to be a forum style like an interactive community however 
if someone should feel uncomfortable about being a part of a community, there are individual self-paced options. I'll have downloadable PDFs at no cost on ColleenRyanHensley.com as well. And is uh, is the military background essential mm-hmm. uh, or is it for anybody? No, I think it's very, very important that we all practice these skills that, you know, you don't need the practice I discovered going out to sea, but I've been practicing it on land now for so long. It is very, very accessible and achievable with any background. I frequently like to ask about two particular populations and uh, how how your your learnings apply to them, whether they join the program or not. One of which is if parents of kids, adolescents, mm. young adults, uh, what should they be alert to uh, for signs? I mean, let's say that we're not talking about somebody who's you know, strung out on drugs on a regular right. basis or stuff like that. But are there are there certain behavior patterns that we should be concerned about uh, in, in raising kids? That's a really great question, Ron. And as I started, my depression started bothering me as a teenager. And there are signs that I've I know from myself and then other people who I've talked to who have suffered from the same thing. I think Mostly, and it's so hard to tell these days because we're so individualistic and tend to isolate ourselves anyway, but isolation is is something that should be addressed. And so open communication is extremely important. Something that I used to do was sleep a lot. And I would feel guilty for that because my parents didn't understand that. And while that may or may not have been part of my depression, we know now that sometimes teenagers need a lot more sleep. And so that might not be a good sign to go by. But I think just having open communication as a parent, and I know having my own children, making sure that they know that they can come and talk to me about anything while I can maintain you know, my calm mental state is really, really important to help teenagers. And uh, the other group that I'm obviously uh, concerned about are those who are in their second half century of life uh, is, uh, and I don't know how much experience you've had to uh, get the the groups going, but uh, is there a point beyond which uh, it's too late or people are too rigid or it's not applicable to them? No, I mean, we know we we know now that the brain can be molded and it is changing all of the time, whether or not we're participating in that change. And the same with our lives and our growth, like we are changing. Mm -hmm. Everything is changing. It's just a matter of how much we're interacting with that. And the same, I say across the board, let's all look out for each other, you know, with, with isolation. Like we really just need to, especially coming out of this pandemic, just talk to one another. Yeah, well, people who've been following me know that I, I've pointed out several times that, you know, loneliness is a killer. Yes, you oh get my gosh. To, to older age ranges, and it certainly is is a longevity reducer, a mm-hmm. lifestyle reducer, and so on. I think one of the more difficult things is to watch somebody kind of decline or deteriorate or 
just not maximize their potential. And I think it's one of the more difficult things to know how to approach. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you know, if you see those signs of somebody who's, uh, again, whether it's the more overt substance use kind of thing, or if we're seeing kind of binging on other not self-defeating kinds of things, do you have to wait for somebody to ask for help? Do they have to hit bottom in some way? Oh, gosh. Uh, kind, yeah. uh, what what can I do if I see somebody that uh, really needs to interrupt a process that's bringing them down to, to help them get better? How do I approach them? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I I believe, and it was a source of my own depression, this, this expectation that I wasn't even creating myself that society was creating for me, this idea of happiness, just having someone reflect on what their actual perception of feeling good or being okay is, and then really just relating to that person. And I think a lot of times we'll find that that we can get there, this acceptance of the place that we are, because what's happening is this super high expectation is operating in the background and we're not even paying attention to it. Well, I think the very fact that you're framing it the way that you do with a whole number of kind of binging behaviors, I think would make it more approachable for somebody uh, as opposed to, say, admitting they're an addict or, so, or they're yeah. admitting yeah. they're you know, depressed or so on. That The fact is that there's a consolation of behaviors, and we know it's not... You know, it's not like blood pressure or something where you reach where there's a number beyond which it's danger. We're, we're yeah. operating on a, a continuum. And uh, again, I uh, I really applaud you because I think you've developed something that I think can be can, can reach a population that may not be, say, willing to go into rehab, detox, uh, you know, things of that nature. And then hopefully we can inspire what they need. Yeah. Comfort, yeah. like create the comfort level of of understanding and community and openness about, you know, our feelings and our emotions. Yeah. That's yeah. the that's the goal, Dr. Ron. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, understanding, I think, is something that we don't have enough of. And certainly people, when they're feeling isolated, aren't really reaching out for, for understanding a lot of yes, times. So true. getting that understanding, I think, can help turn a lot of people around. We're going to have all your information in the show notes, but will you once again kind of repeat what uh, where people can get in touch with you? Uh, they're not obviously limited geographically by right. the program, but where they can get in touch with you or learn about your programs and... Uh, and I, I don't know if you're seeking people for your focus groups or not, but I am. If somebody uh, is is willing to to join. How uh, how they do that? Yes, absolutely. So you can find me on ColleenRyanHensley.com. That's H E N S L E Y. Uh, if you are interested in joining a focus group, please go there. And you can also follow me at Colleen Ryan Hensley on Instagram and the hashtag, hashtag binging sober. Okay, that sounds great. And just so we're we're being transparent on it, if if they join a group, is it roughly how big and are group members visible to everybody who's in the group or how does that work? 
So the focus groups, yes, I'm going to keep them pretty small under 30. And I'm going to have two focus groups starting in December just for the month. So yes, you'd have to be willing to interact with those 30 people in the group. But come January, that's the official launch of hashtag binging sober. You'd go to my website, ColleenRyanHensley.com or at Colleen Ryan Hensley on Instagram, the same way that you would if you want to join the focus group. And that will be, that will be, you'll have either the choice to join the community or do individually paste. Okay. Well, that's certainly a new approach. One that I think will apply to a lot of people and even get some of our listeners to be thinking about their own behaviors, whether, whether they, join with you or not, I think that a, yes, a thank information you. that you provided can help some people to kind of interrupt uh, a self-defeating process. Yes, I hope so. And I'm really, really grateful that you spent the time with us and shared this this great information. I want to wish you the, the very best of success as you move forward with this with this really important work. Thank you, Ron. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's both a pleasure and informative. Thanks again. So this brings to a conclusion another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser with our special guest today, Colleen Ryan Hensley. Learned a lot. I hope that I kind of always say this, but I really mean it this time that if you uh, learned something like that, tell your friends to to listen to it and please you know, download, rate, review, and, you know, spread the word about both the podcast and Colleen's program. And don't forget to be back next week when we'll have another interesting and informative guest to help you lead your life with enthusiasm, become the best version of yourself. And in the meantime, again, please visit the Mental Health Gym website and stay safe safe, stay positive, and be back next week. Take care and uh, good luck and see you next week.